McNeil. Trouble on the home front, huh? I really don't think that's any of your concern. You know, the finest line a man will walk is between success at work and success at home. I got a motto. Like your work, love your wife. Well, I'll remember that. What's the flight situation? Simple. There's no way on earth we're gonna get out of here tonight. <laughs> We'd have more luck playing pickup sticks with our butt cheeks than we will getting a flight out of here before daybreak. I guess we'll find out soon enough. Yeah, but by the time the airline cancels this flight, which they will sooner or later, you'd have more of a chance to find a three-legged ballerina than you would a hotel room. You're saying I could be stuck in Wichita? I'm saying you are stuck in Wichita. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? I'm sorry to announce that we're canceling flight 909 due to severe weather in Chicago. Hi, I was waiting for any room. on the substance a podcast aimed at being biblical thoughtful and human join us each week as we engage the culture without the culture war i'm your host trevor aiken and i'm joined today just by the one co-host just the one co-host actually just the one just the one co-host philip marinello hey everybody and along with philip we have a special guest joining us this week luke t Harrington, it's very important you get the T in there. He I was going to say, is, uh, is there another Luke Harrington out there on the uh, interwebs? Do you, you want to go down differentiate right now? Oh, because... you just stepped in it, Philip. You just <laughs> sure, stepped in it. Why not? Oh, Trevor, are you already aware of this? Do you know? Oh yes. Uh, did I tell you that I've been just podcast today? <laughs> it has come up you on did. the show once or twice. Um, so there are several Luke Harringtons out in the world. Uh, sure. The the only one with an IMDb page, however, is a porn star. And I am not a porn star. Cool. Um, <laughs> Luke T. Harrington, not a porn star. That's the tagline. That's, that's on my business cards. <laughs> yeah. So Luke T. Harrington. Additionally, round out the bio for him, Philip. Yeah, Luke T. Harrington, award-winning novelist, best-selling humorist, dude with a podcast, and not that's a correct. porn star. Yes. <laughs> And uh, was uh, talking with Kevin when he suggested you. He uh, said you got a film degree. Tell yeah, me about so that. Yeah, so I have a film studies degree from the University of Nebraska at Lincoln. And that and $5 will get me a cup of coffee. That's, that's about how useful it's been to me <laughs> in my life. It was one of those. It was very, very much one of those. Um, you know, I was, I was in college, you know, pre 2008 you know before the economy just slid right off a cliff so you know i had no conception of maybe i should major in something that would actually lead to a job i was just this very wide-eyed idealistic oh i'm here to learn about important things and experience art or whatever you know what are my interests exactly i yeah. you know i was i was one of those kids that almost majored in philosophy that's that's where i'm coming from yeah so you know i started i started out i started out undeclared and then my freshman year i um took a film class and i got like an a plus plus or whatever on my final project and i was like oh film that's what i should be doing with my life um so i i got a degree in film studies And then I graduated with that and the economy tanked and I ended up stranded in Tulsa, Oklahoma for 10 years. And finally, (laughs) 
how much of my life story do you want to hear? But I, yeah, I never, um, not necessarily the place where you'd imagine I know, I know. a film degree yeah, would be of, uh, <laughs> of great, uh, help. um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I did, I did, uh, work as a freelance film critic for a while briefly, um, just, you know, selling movie pieces to publications that would take them. But eventually I, I did kind of get, I don't know if this is the right thing to say on this podcast, but I did kind of get bored of movies just because so many movies are just kind of mediocre and you run out of things to say about mediocre movies. Uh, a lot of them are not <laughs> great. <laughs> your boredom of movies is welcome here for sure. Well, and when you're a, a critic, you have to see, you everything. see everything. Non yeah. guy right here. Yeah. When you're yeah. a critic, like part of me would go like, I've, cause I've thought about pursuing the, the freelance path and like, and even with the podcast, sometimes like people will send us links to stuff, but it's nice with the podcast. We get to be choosy. But if I ever like signed up even as like a contractor for like, yeah, like I'll be a film critic for XYZ publication. They would just assign me stuff and be like, well, I don't, I don't want to watch. I don't care about that. That could kind of burn you out. Yeah. Here we get to watch what we want to or what <laughs> Philip wants me to. It's me. I try to, uh, try to spread the picks around to a degree, but a lot but, of the substantive cinema picks have come from me. I will, uh, I will take that. It is your forte though. I mean, like you're, you're good at it and you pick good stuff and you pick challenging stuff. I'll be frank and upfront with the audience on this one that I was, I was skeptical. I remain skeptical and I'll tell you a little bit about my, my uh, watch through experience on this. This is kind of a segment. Well, that's funny. Cause you, I remember you loving this as a, when we were in like middle school, I, I, I remember you loving this movie. Did I love this movie? I feel like it, you did. So, I, I mean, I, my memories of seeing this in middle school is very, very hazy. If that was the time that I saw it, even, I don't even remember. Um, I think it was probably my, the first R film that I ever saw as well. So looking back on its content, it, in my mind, it loomed like a way skeezier <laughs> than it's it like was. It's a PG-rated movie with one yeah, scene of profanity, I, pretty much. Yeah, and like the skeezy taxi. But I mean... Yeah, I guess technically there is yeah, nudity yeah. in this movie. <laughs> right. I didn't even see it. Like the whole, the whole, it's rated R for some F words, you know? These are two middle-aged men who are wearing <laughs> on each other's nerves. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about your, your, your arc. Well, yeah. And so I, I realized last night I was like, oh man, I, I still got to watch this movie. And so kind of tired, kind of working late. I put it on and I kind of start empathizing really heavily with uh, Neil Page's character. Just, you know, you know, having, having to work lots, lots of hours and um, just feeling like, you know, you want like it's almost like a nightmare, you know, you, you want to get to be with your family, but everything in the universe conspiring against you <laughs> to do that and, and feeling maybe maybe like maybe you're angry because you're punishing yourself like, oh, man, I shouldn't do this work stuff. I shouldn't be away from home. I shouldn't, you know, all that, all that kind of thing. And uh, I don't know. It, it just it felt less comedic. Like I could tell there was bits that were supposed to be funny, but I didn't laugh really yeah, at all <laughs> i was gonna ask did you did any of it like did you think it was funny the the most anything landed was i went huh like once wow uh, because there was uh i think that maybe maybe the moment where they were all laughing at the car <laughs> on fire just the you know because just the, the the abject futility of it all Look, it can't get worse than this here we are yeah what else are you gonna do yeah, exactly. Interesting. Well, I mean, 
it came out in the late 80s. Uh, we, I guess we could say spoiler warning. If uh, <laughs> if this is not a Thanksgiving tradition of yours, if you've never seen it, we're going to talk it, about it. Also, if the ending isn't completely obvious from like the onset of the film, <laughs> what's going to happen? I don't know. So spoiler warning. We, we do that for movies that... Uh, the plot is important, but we will say if if this is not a film you're familiar with and you care, there's like kind of one thing to be spoiled in this yeah. movie. It's almost like it's almost like a proto version of Napoleon Dynamite, hmm. but like more more with a more with a linear plot than than Napoleon. Dynamite, but like very much look at these people in this situation, kind of comedy <laughs> based. Interesting. Is that like off the like. cuff or are you working on that? Is that like a theory of yours? No, no, it's not a theory. Like, it, honestly, don't make it any more complex or of a take than it needs to be. Like, I think it's anything just like a random thought Napoleon that popped Dynamite. in my head okay. while I was watching the film. I was like, I think it's a very funny, like, funny it's people. a very like tight script. It's like 90 minutes. And it's I I thought it was very funny. Luke, is this um is this one that's been like a tradition for you? What's your relationship previously with the film? Okay, so do you want to hear the whole my my life story as as it applies to planes, sure. trains, and automobiles? You're here. Okay, so. <laughs> absolutely. Yep. I think our listeners were like they better say I, yes I to will, that. I will yeah. say I've seen this movie three times. Uh, the third time being okay. when I rewatched it for uh, for this uh, recording session. Um, first time was with my high school girlfriend at her house and her parents weren't home. So there was probably more making out than actual movie watching involved. Am I allowed to say that on a Christian (laughs) podcast? (laughs) Um, I'll say the first time I watched it, I was just kind of really almost shocked by just how kind of mean spirited it was. You know, we've seen this kind of. I feel like it's it's riffing on a very established like vaudeville trope of like the odd couple, you know, straight man and a weirdo, you know, and, and sure. I, I mean that thing has been done in a lot of road comedies as well. But I feel like typically when you're talking about like a vaudeville odd couple duo like Abbott and Costello or Laurel and Hardy or whoever, it's very slow burn. Right. Like one guy will be extremely obnoxious, but the other guy, he's he's usually like a like a long suffering type who will just either, you know, just put up with it as long as he can um, or else like the the obnoxious guy just doesn't get it, doesn't get that he's annoying him, you know, and it'll be a slow burn to like maybe a blow up towards the end of the movie. And planes, trains and automobiles doesn't do that. Interestingly, like yeah, Steve Martin's blow up I think happens like 20 30 minutes that. into the movie. Yeah. It's like 25 yeah, it's minutes like, in. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like yeah. before they even go to sleep for the first night, like they know exactly how they feel about each other, which is very strange. And and it's a movie that it it doesn't it seems completely uninterested in making either of the characters at all likable, you know? Yeah. They're both kind of awful people yeah. in in their own way. These are the same thoughts I had. <laughs> that was my reaction to it the first time I watched it, um, which was when I was in high school. So this would have been, you know, 2000-ish, right around the turn of the century. So about 10 or 15 years after it first came out. This is your thoughts with distractions. Yes, exactly. So I was, I was like, why does anybody like this movie? That was kind of my take. Um, and I watched it maybe 10 years. I watched it again maybe 10 years after that. And the, the only reason I watched it was because 
my wife was a floor nurse at a hospital at the time, so she had to work a lot of holidays. So I found myself home alone with nothing to do on Thanksgiving. And as far as I know, there are only like three movies about Thanksgiving in the world. And yeah, one of them. Pretty much. <laughs> so I, a I did lot. a Thanksgiving movie marathon. <laughs> I, I watched uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles and Pieces of April and uh, Alice's Restaurant. Those were the three Thanksgiving movies I could think of. So rewatching it and kind of knowing what was coming, I appreciated it a lot more. I thought I found it a lot funnier, you know, knowing that I, I, I wasn't supposed necessarily supposed to like these characters. <laughs> I found it a lot easier to take and um, I, I laughed at more of the jokes for sure. And, and I came out of it thinking, okay, I understand what people like about this movie. And then I rewatched it last week just, just uh, for this conversation. And I don't know, I guess I ended up somewhere in between those two reactions. <laughs> in a lot of ways, it's, it is a very hard to take movie because the two characters are both just so obnoxious in such different ways you know, and it's like, should I be laughing or wincing right now? And hmm. I don't know. That's, I guess that's a style of comedy that really got popular in the 2000s. But, you know, with stuff like The Office or whatever, but like planes, trains, and automobiles may be a little ahead of its time there. Oof, yeah. The Office is rough. Especially the early seasons. So I'll say, I mean, my take is, uh, I'll, I'll probably be on the other side. I, I, I don't know. When I was younger, I... I watched it because it was the thing you, like you said, there's only a couple of, uh, there's only a couple of Thanksgiving movies, really. Um, it was never like, uh, it wasn't like <laughs> Die Hard or Muppets Christmas Kill yeah. where I watched it every year, but like I would watch it. And there were a couple, especially the Steve Martin blow up scene when you were younger, you're like, Oh man, he, he cussed that lady out. Ha ha ha. But like, I, I didn't really like get it. Like the obvious stuff. Sure. Like I thought, um, uh, especially I watched it last month just cause I was like, I want to make sure that this is good. And I was like, okay, this is good. And then I watched it again this week, um, for this, the, uh, the scene with, um, John candy, when he's driving the car, then he ends up going on the wrong side of the highway before the car sets on fire. I thought that was hilarious. I thought John candy was hilarious in this movie. Yeah. I was going to say like, as a kid, did you like resonate a lot with John candy? <laughs> Me? Is that like, <laughs> No, no, no. Uh, like, like with his kid, like with Dell, like, were you like, no, I I'm just saying like Dell's like, no, yeah, no, he was a super nerd. No way. I didn't really resonate with either one. I just thought he was like a, like a fat, funny dope. Like he just made me laugh. It, Got it, it really is. It's very much a movie about middle-aged men. And the whole time I was watching it, I was like, I don't think I can imagine anyone who's not a middle-aged man really relating to this movie which is unusual. Like they don't make a lot of movies for middle-aged men. <laughs> and I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. not quite, I'm certainly not middle-aged, but like in my thirties watching it, I definitely laughed more than I did when I was a kid, but like, it just felt, it came off hmm. very humane. Both of these characters are characters that are going through hmm. their own pain, but their situations are funny sometimes. Like it's grounded in reality. Like John Hughes, not necessarily like a master filmmaker, but one of the things that I feel like audiences resonate with just about all of his movies that yeah. they're about real people. Some of the situations are obviously exaggerated, but like you can picture yourself a degree or two of separation, like kind of going through these things. So like, it's kind of like, it's funny to watch somebody else go through these and not you, but I just felt like it was a very, like, I don't know, like I, I felt for both of these men very much. And then, 
just the, the funny stuff was funny and the, the emotional beats hit um a lot more this time like i don't feel feel like the emotional bits ever really connect with me i was just like oh okay can i ask you guys something yeah are there people are there people in the real world who are like who really care this much about getting home for thanksgiving Mm. <laughs> maybe because that was that was one of the hang-ups i had the first time i watched it that was keeping me kind of at arm's length from appreciating the movies like <laughs> i could maybe see someone like this obsessed about getting home for christmas or something but like thanksgiving thanksgiving it's a four-day weekend before. like I, who I cares you know <laughs> I think it's the bigger get together time actually with Mm -hmm. family. I think that is times where families get together more. And this is kind of a weird little anecdote. I'll say I, I'm pretty sure more people like have big meals together. Uh, I work in the restoration industry and Thanksgiving every year is the number one day for house fires because people are cooking who don't know what they're doing. People (laughs) who don't usually cook are, uh, are cooking. They're having people over They're lighting candles. They're having fires in the fireplace. It's, House yeah. fires galore on Thanksgiving. But, uh, yeah, no, it's it's a big uh, – I mean, Christmas is obviously the bigger commercial time, and it probably has a bigger cultural impact. But I remember yeah. a lot of Thanksgiving dinners with lots of people growing up. I know for my family, too, it's, it's very similar. Like, Thanksgiving is, I think, mine and my wife's favorite holiday. And, yeah, it's something that – I mean, Christmas – You tend to, because of the proximity to New Year's, you tend to have like, it it feels like a little bit more time that people have to be together to, yeah, like it doesn't matter exactly what day it is, but like, especially now, like Thanksgiving getting squeezed by retail kind of on both sides, you know what I mean? Like you really kind of just have that day and I, I don't know, like as I watched it, I almost felt it more as like a metaphor for like, not a metaphor. I'm not trying to make this sound like highfalutin or anything, but like it's almost bigger than just that. Like it's, it's like how his work and his, and maybe I'm reading my own situation, but like how, how his work keeps him from his family and the things that he wants to be in and like how his situation, cause like you see him in his suit and his, and his, you know, the scene in the job at the beginning and like, you know, the high power stuff. Like, Hilarious. Made me laugh both times. <laughs> I watched it recently. That guy just jacking around, like wasting everybody's time. And like, he says, let's reconvene in a couple of weeks after doing the Not funny. Yeah. <laughs> Not, <laughs> Not funny. Hilarious. Um, yeah, that was, that was the, that was probably the least. It's fun painful, one. but it's hilarious. <laughs> yes. it, it hurt. It hurt a lot. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, just like his feeling of, you know, this just impending, like, I'm going to miss this stuff with my family. And that moment when they're sitting in the diner and um, Dell says, you know, those are the moments you don't get to see again. And like, to me, like, that is tra- <laughs> like, that's tragedy, you know, like, he's right, you know, like that, that's, uh, that moment is gone and you don't, and you don't get it back. And and he was trying, but like, there's these shots of his family. Like, they just keep doing these like cuts to his family, like forlorn that he's not able to make it back. And it's almost <clears> there <throat> as like a jab. You know what I mean? Like, that's almost to answer like, why is his pursuit so radical? Because like, it's just they're sitting there waiting for him, and he's not making it, and like, and they're just disappointed by his absence. Well, I mean, if you think about it, like Christmas is something that most people observe regardless of religious affiliation, but like Thanksgiving is something like 
the the spirit, quote unquote, of Thanksgiving is something that irreligious people, I feel like, is an easier sell of like, let's just get together and like appreciate one another and mm-hmm. what we have. Like, that's probably an easier, wider sell than Christmas, even though Christmas is pretty like yeah. commercialized in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But I mean, mm-hmm. being together with your family having people together and i mean in this case at the end like having it having a warm place that you can share with others strangers things like that like that's that's a universal thing kind of regardless of one's religion Mm. or irreligion Mm -hmm. so i'll say i want to kind of get to some of the specifics of the film but i before we get into that i shared with trevor this podcast is not a, a deep dive necessarily on the film itself but i did uh check box office mojo and for it's just kind of wild it's a snapshot of a time that was a very different time than we're living in now so (laughs) they were smart enough obviously they released it on thanksgiving day weekend it was in the top 10 for seven weeks in a row this movie was in the top 10 all the way through the holidays they crushed thanksgiving they crushed christmas they crushed new year's Set, like that's Dang. almost two months in the top that was 10 back box when you office. Didn't need a superhero in your movie. How much to less movies make money? <laughs> yes. Yeah, you just need two <laughs> funny people. Just a, it's a super yeah. basic movie. It's 90 minutes. Like your mileage may vary. Like you either yeah. think it's funny or it's not. Like even the three of us, we're kind of divided on that. But it's something that I feel like families went and clearly went back to and brought other people to. There was even one week. I think it was the week after Christmas, like it jumped, like it, it had a big splash when it first started. Next couple of weeks were great. And then on Christmas, it like shot up a couple million bucks again, like kind of wild. So it was a big hit when it uh, initially hit. And because it's just kind of smart, I don't know, marketing, I guess, in general, like not a lot of Thanksgiving movies, like it kind of became the Thanksgiving movie for a lot of people. So I have a question, Phil. <laughs> what is substantive about this film? What is substantive? Well, I mean... Like, this is substantive cinema. Like, this, this is, is a substance. We talk about, like, the idea is something that, that matters. And, I, and I, I think there's stuff here, for sure, especially reading the article you sent. But, but I want to hear your take on it. Like, what, what made you think, like, okay, this is substantive cinema? Well, I mean, frankly, beyond just the, hey, like, we don't want to always capitalize on trends, but I mean... I forgot what we did last November, but it's an easy fit for November. Hopefully, like it's going to be an easy episode for all of our listeners to share with their friends and family. It'll be an easy listen. Hopefully, we'll get some new people coming in on that. But actually, substantive, I think um, just like I said, the characters, this is a very humane movie. And if we're speaking substantive from our point of view, I think that loving the stranger, loving the outcast, and obviously he didn't do a good job for most of the movie. But I think um, just the idea of like what we what we owe to our fellow man and like how we can treat them and how kindness like you don't know what people are going through and how much like acts of kindness can mean to people. And I just think it's a it's I would imagine that if people are watching this at all thoughtfully, you could have a lot of really good conversations afterwards. Like this would be a good like film club, like a seasonal film club movie, I think. No, I mean, I, I don't think it's a, a terribly deep film. It's not obviously as deep and thoughtful as some of the other films we've covered on here. But I mean, and I don't think the point of the film is to be didactic. No. Um, but I do think it has just something to say about like how we treat each other. 
I wanted to read a paragraph from this Roger Ebert article that you sent, which he he listed it as one of his uh, great movies. Great films. I don't know how many of our listeners are familiar with um, that specific. So Roger Ebert, um, there's a certain like he wrote reviews for decades, but then at a certain point he started a series just called Great Films, and this is one of the ones that uh, made the cut. Yeah. So. In this review, it's very interesting. So th- I honestly felt like I enjoyed the movie review better than the movie. <laughs> I so thought it, it might have like, been the case. <laughs> like, like it was. It's a very well written review. It's almost worth recommending the movie just to read the review. But I wanted to read this this paragraph. He says, "Dell John Candy's character, we feel, was born with empathy. He instinctively identifies with Neil's problems. He's genuinely sorry to learn he stole his cab. He's quick to offer help when their flight is diverted to Wichita, Kansas." and there are no hotel rooms available. Neil, on the other hand, depends on his credit cards and self-reliance. He wants to make his own plans, book his own room, rent his own car. He spends the movie trying to peel off from Dell and failing. Dell spends the movie having his feelings hurt and then coming through for Neil anyway. I have interactions with that, with that paragraph, but I, I'd love to hear y'all's interactions as well. Like, this, do, you, do you feel like that rings true for the movie? Is there things that you agree or disagree with? So, Say that last sentence. So especially the points he says, Del, we feel, was born with em- empathy, and then he lists off th- what his evidence is. I'd agree are. with that one, but say the, the last sentence. Neil, on the other hand, depends on his credit cards and self-reliance. He says, Neil spends the movie trying to peel off from Dell and failing. Sure. Dell spends the movie having his feelings hurt and then coming through for Neil anyway. It's interesting oh. that both of these characters are in sales in one, one way or another, right? Like Neil and Dell are those, mm-hmm. are those the names I yeah. keep wanting to say, Steve Martin and uh, John Candy, but we can say Neil and Dell. Um, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, easier. the Steve Martin character, though, he's, he's in like the. Fifth Avenue, New York City, designing magazine ads to sell cosmetics to rich people or whatever. Whereas uh, John Candy, he's he's on the ground, like actively selling to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's just it, it is interesting to see that contrast of personalities that they can be technically basically in the same field, but you know the skill set for um, the skill set for tricking rich people into buying makeup versus the skill set for tricking, you know, like uh, roadside motel managers into buying shower curtain rings are can be very different skill sets. Yeah, yeah. or random people in the <laughs> in, in them the bus stop the earrings were. Uh, yeah, that their earrings. Yeah. That was probably one of my favorite scenes. I just thought that was that was really hilarious. Yeah, I, I think the part. So I I think that eighty percent of that rings true, especially his statement towards the end. Hmm. I think. The part that I disagree with is this Dell we feel was born with empathy hmm. because I felt I felt very much in the movie like I and, and, and sometimes when I'm when I'm watching a movie because Philip <laughs> told me to watch it, um, I have this reaction to the movie where I I become almost rebellious to the to the writer's intent like, what do you get what i'm me, supposed movie? to feel you know what i mean like <laughs> I, like i see like i'll see what the movie is wanting me to feel i'll figure that out and then i'll i'll start poking holes in reasons why i shouldn't feel that way um and you john know, hughes movies as, in particular. Movie does. <laughs> as you know as movie viewers do so this is I, I guess this is trevor works out his problems on the podcast no i'm just kidding um but it felt like Dell's character was supposed to be annoying but likable. Yes. And the thing about it was, 
you know, with Roger, you were saying like this empathetic, like, like that he's just a good person at heart, but there's a lot of things that happen in the film that I think really, he's a sweetheart, but I don't know about empathy. Yeah. Really don't, don't meet with empathy. So like taking off your shoes and socks in a plane, I think is a almost (laughs) heinous act. Soaking your socks and underwear in a shared bathroom sink. Like, yeah, completely unempathetic. So like there's, I I think a better term to describe Dell's character would be boundless. He doesn't Mm. quite understand the boundary between himself and other people and how to respect that. And so he constantly invades into other people's space, both for reasons that are altruistic, like helping them, even when they don't want his help, and for reasons of his own personal comfort. Both happen, but he's really just, he, he doesn't understand boundaries in a sense he's more more oblivious than empathetic and right i also wasn't sure i actually remember when i read that article before i sent it to you i was like did he really come through for steve martin all that much he was kind (laughs) of a burden on him almost there was a time or two for sure when he came through but like there was also like the 80 percent of the time where he was like just scuttling everything like you do kind of wonder like if he had just slept in the airport at the beginning, yes, would all of this had happened? You know what I mean? I was like, like the flight would have eventually happened. Yeah, like he takes a look at the guy who's like curled up on his jacket or something, like literally just on the floor in the Wichita airport, and you're like, oh man, that guy is really slumming it. But then, like, you see the lows that he reaches. Then he spends like, like two or three days on the road in like the worst circumstances. Yeah. Like that guy looking back on it, it's like, no, this guy was in luxury. Like, (laughs) I guess, I guess the question is, is empathy the same thing as kindness, right? Because I think Dell is a very kind character. Like he does seem to be sensitive to people's needs and want to meet them. But I feel like he's, he's sensitive. I don't know exactly about if I would say he was kind though. Okay. You know, like I think there's times when he... He is gentle. He does. And he cares. But the other thing, too, is we find out like part of the reason he cares is also because mm-hmm. he's lonely. Like he doesn't. It's not necessarily motivated from a like. It's not like oh, altruistic. Yeah. It's not just like I, I, I am from the goodness of my heart and from my position want to help this person in need so much. It is like he latches on almost in a codependent way to this person who he feels like because he stole his cab accidentally and the guy called him on it. Now they have a relationship, you know? And, (laughs) and so, and so then it's like, how do I mean, I think there is a sense. I don't want to be too harsh on him because like, yeah, you don't want to overthink an eighties comedy too much. Well, but here we are on the substance. This is what we do. I do think, I do think this is a pretty mean spirited movie for like nine, 80 to 90% of its running time. Hmm. Like it's, it's just kind of like these two characters, are obnoxious each in their own ways and they kind of deserve each other right like it's very very little of very little of your enjoyment of this movie really comes in um uh sympathizing with the characters beyond just like that looked like a hurt you know (laughs) it's 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 very it's very much like this is these are these two characters getting what they deserve at least that's that's my take on it I just thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> but why is it funny though, right? I mean, like how does that I mean it's, it's why sla- like it's like emotional it slapstick. slapstick. 
<laughs> like, yeah. it's just gut punch after gut punch after burnt down car and getting robbed and like just all of the bad things. Not obviously like this is it's a piece of fiction, but just like he had a car rented and it wasn't there. He should have just been able to have a car, but like he tore up his ticket and lost his cool on the rental car woman. And just, it kept going downhill. Well, and then it's, and then it's this Senate. It's the sense of he gets what he deserves because he's a jerk to everyone, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't know. I mean, I mean, there, there, maybe there is a, a lesson there of uh, Dell, whatever his faults knows how to um, make friends. Right. He knows knows how to get people yes. on his side. And yep. Neil just doesn't. I guess in that way I, I can relate yeah. to him, Trevor. <laughs> well, honestly, like the the you know, yeah, he's he's kinda sells, he's out on the road, like he's kinda, you know, he, he's he's definitely like if you want to put a harmonic triad on it, like he's positive outlook, right? Sure. Dell is positive outlook almost to to toxic (laughs) levels of of positivity, you know, like just, oh, this is so funny. This is going to turn out right. Like he never. And that's another reason why he's I I think he fails to be an empathetic character because because he 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 tries to be so positive and everything. He really fails to enter into the real pain of what Mm. Neil's going through and doesn't really understand it Um, or at least doesn't. It doesn't indicate communicate that well, but well, and if you want to, if you want to psychoanalyze him, he seems to be in denial of his own pain for most of the film as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I, I think that's exactly right. And I, actually, I felt like that was the part of the movie that like brought it around a little bit for me was like kind of coming to the end and you see this kind of redemption arc where they finally, especially Neil finally just wakes up to this is the situation I'm in. He has this little and, like, 80s comedy Kaiser Soze moment where like he puts it all together. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he finally pays attention. You know, he finally pays attention to to all the stuff that he's been so focused on just his own goal and his destination that he missed the the things around him, you know? And maybe that's why when he's sitting on the bus and it's his turn to start the song, he's he sings a song that he only has to know the words to and nobody's that with made him, me laugh you know? a whole lot too. Yeah, this is a funny movie, guys. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I'm not saying I it's like not that funny. Moment. I just, I, like that I think it's a mean spirited kind of humor. You know, it's not. You're you're right, but like, yeah. So so at the end, where Neil finally realizes the situation that Dell is in and has compassion, like, I think that just is honestly talk about like, that. Just put that on the table there, Trev. Yeah, let's talk about that. Talk about that moment of compassion that happens. I also didn't know if that was a joke. The picture he carried around. She was real old looking. Like she looked well, like she was in her seven. Yeah, Dude, but like she looked bro. like she was in her seventies. <laughs> no, no, no. Maybe that was like that's a what forty looked like fifties or sixties. <laughs> like she did not look like she was in her seventies. My, you know, I'm, I'm sure what it was I, she was old. someone told someone in the prop department to find the most ridiculous photo of someone's wife they could and they just that was what they found they went to goodwill or something and that was the the picture of his wife looked like a grandmother it did not look like a grandma listeners looked, tweet at us look. hit us up on the website let us know what you think gray hair on the woman's head she did not look like a grandma all right oh my gosh. credit um but but no like so well, well what you find out is so this is i guess the spoilers that dell's essentially just a homeless guy 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, he, he doesn't. He goes from hotel room to hotel room. Maybe he sleeps in his car. He's a peripatetic you know, salesman. Maybe he... <laughs> he's a traveling salesman. <laughs> he's a peripatetic salesman. Yeah, sure. Yeah, like, he he doesn't... Yeah, he doesn't have a place, you know? And when he says, yeah, he hasn't been home in which, years, he was telling the truth. I don't know. He doesn't have I don't home. know if this is what we're talking about right now, but to me, that was, like, kind of a huge plot hole that creates huge plot holes in the story of like why does he want so badly to get to chicago i don't understand that's true <laughs> has any has anyone thought about that well he's pretty laissez-faire about it he's not he doesn't care yeah, quite doesn't as care. much i think he wants he to, wants to help neil get there so yes, when he exactly like so when he, to be with his family because his family. desperation is so to when he almost runs neil over because was that like planned was he like i'm gonna act like i'm gonna almost run him over just so I can. I thought that was just happenstance. <laughs> so that I was just <laughs> accidental. Yeah, we're supposed to believe in the in the fictional. Because it's film a ninety minute this... movie, and they need to be reunited. So oh, he had to right. be the one driving the car. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah, it's it's ridiculous. But but yeah, at the end of the day, right after Steve Martin insults the taxi guy's <laughs> manhood, also very funny. <laughs> oh man, yeah, and then then ends up on the helium, gets punched <laughs> in the face. And lifted up <laughs> by his genitals. <laughs> it's brutal. It's a brutal scene. Um, yeah, but but yeah, he finally gets to Chicago and and puts two and two together that that Dell doesn't have a place, and he welcomes him in. He he has he finally sees what's in front of him, and it, it is a testimony in a sense to we can you can get so narrow sighted. And I think to Roger Ebert's point about like the individualism, like Neil is very self-reliant, whereas Dell is very like he, he needs others to, to make do. And, and that's part of the reason why they have their conflict. But if anybody has like, I guess a kind of redemption arc, it's not Dell who really doesn't change in the film. He is who he is. Correct. I mean, he says as much, uh, I like who I am. But Neil, I mean, Neil, Neil kind of has this moment where he realizes that it, it's not just all about his, his own individual, what, what he's trying to pursue and him getting to his goal, but there's actually someone here that needs him that he could help out, and, and he wants to. Um, because I think actually Neil fundamentally is a somewhat maybe even empathetic character and, and caring character once he's able to get you know what i mean like it takes him a while because he's so dead focused on achieving this logistical goal of you know get to the place and i think it almost speaks to just you talk about this on your podcast luke like systems and society and how we get plopped into this thing and now now like we're doing things that maybe as an individual if we just really had full freedom we wouldn't want to do but because of the system and the reality that we're in we act in ways. And I felt like a lot of his anger came out of that. Mm -hmm. He was just so frustrated with all of his situation that he's plopped in. But when he finally gets to where he's going and like has a second that he thinks he's really able to extend that compassion and he stops thinking just about himself, when he starts thinking about the person next to him. Hmm. Well, that's kind of interesting too, because when he thought he was in the clear, when he first got on the train of the planes, trains, and automobiles, which I also kind of appreciated how, like, that was the order of operations that they uh, attempted in the film. Yeah. The Very plane thing got jacked up. Title. He had a terrible hotel experience. 
but then he got a train. He's like, I'm going to be good. And then he was just like talking to the girl next to him. He was like a happy camper and actually like focused positively on someone else. To kind of your point, he operated that way both times when like things were going well for him. Hmm. He couldn't like in a situation of stress, he could only think about himself. Hmm. But like when things were going well, he was kind of able to think about other people. Yeah. And even still like, you know, in that scene, he hasn't, he hasn't fully completed his transformation because he's still trying to ignore Dell. And I, yeah, it's almost like being there for that person who needs you, even when it's inconvenient, you know, even when you keep tripping over their stupid trunk of garbage that they're lugging <laughs> it's, around everywhere. It's certainly not as dramatic, but he does kind of have like a, a Thanksgiving Scrooge experience. Like, oh, I'm a changed man. Like I can kind of like see the good in people. And like, I want to be more generous. Like, just because he realized he learns the true meaning of Thanksgiving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like, he's like, okay, man, this guy doesn't have a home. His wife passed away and he's just kind of like existing. Like I feel bad for him, but, and like, mm. that's kind of his thing. Yeah. And I think that gets to, to some of the stuff that what, what Ebert said about the film and how it, it really is about like not judging a book by its cover. There's initial impressions. Maybe we get, they got of each other and we get of both the characters. But as you learn more about each one of them through all of their mishaps in the film, you, especially for Dell's character, once you understand his backstory, it puts so many things in context. Like, yeah, you know, I found him genuinely annoying through most of the film. Like just, <laughs> you're supposed to just very think. unfunnily annoying. This man needs help. Like this, this man <laughs> just needs help. Like that's, that was my, my feeling the whole time. But, but yeah. then at the end you realize why, you know, and no, and he then, actually does. That's part of the, that's, right. that's part of the character. Yeah. And so, and once you realize that, then it's like, oh, okay. Like you can, you start to have compassion on some of the other stuff because, and I, I feel like that's so true in our culture in general. If I guess I'm trying to extrapolate a point here is once we really humanize people by, by learning their history, by learning their backstory, by hearing a little bit about their story, um, even people who annoy us or they're we don't agree with them or we find their views um noxious nauseous to us or you know toxic or whatever um we when you hear their backstory when you hear a little bit about how they got there when you hear a little bit about where they came from it it humanizes them and then all of a sudden you can have compassion on that situation and really see them i don't know maybe closer to the way god sees them so, Luke, now, between your three viewings, didn't love it, liked it, where, uh, where are you kind of at now? I could see watching it again. John Hughes can be kind of a mixed bag for me. Like, there, there are films of his that I love and films that I really can't stand. Like, I don't think I could ever sit through Weird Science again. That's just a not a good movie. <laughs> Hit us with the, I mean... I'm curious, like as a movie guy, like what are your like? I really like um, Ferris Bueller, and that's Ferris kind Bueller, of it for me. Ferris Bueller might be him. the apex of his work. Um, I, I, I mean, Home Alone holds up really well Home still. Alone. I think, uh, which he didn't direct; he wrote it. Did he? Yeah, he he wrote write it. that. Or did Chris Columbus John write wrote that? Wrote it. Chris Columbus, no, Chris directed, Columbus directed it. it. Um, but okay. yeah, between aside from Ferris Bueller and I, I'm one of those. Like Neanderthals, I kind of like Home Alone really? 2 more. 
I mean, because Home Alone <laughs> 2 is just like the same thing, but more violent. <laughs> I just watched it more as a game. I'm more nostalgic for it. There's a theme I mean, here. what else do you need, right? <laughs> um, so yeah. I, I could definitely see playing, watching Planes, Trains, and Automobiles again. Like, as I said, I, I, I do think that um, it takes kind of that vaudeville odd couple thing and cranks it up to 11 in ways that are a little off-putting to me sometimes but um i mean that these are two brilliant actors and they both give really excellent performances in the film so it's um it's it's easy to see what people love about it would you give it a recommend you know if some if someone was was talking to me and said i want something thanksgiving theme to watch on thanksgiving it would be in my top two of the three thanksgiving movies i know so Say this in Charlie Brown. <laughs> you know, I mean, both of like I, I completely agree with Luke. Like both of these guys are firing on all cylinders, but also I'm a big movie guy and a big movie tradition guy. I probably would not quite do this annually, but I mean I would I would watch it again for sure. I would show it to people, kind of gauge their reactions. Um now that we have this, maybe uh just share with the hey. Take a listen to the podcast. Let us know what you think. But I mean, I I think it's genuinely funny. And I think especially watching it a second time, kind of knowing it, like, I feel like you can laugh more because, you know, like, these are two guys that are just kind of, like, struggling. Like, these are two guys that are floundering that, like, mm-hmm. it's going to be okay. Like, these are two guys in pain that are doing their best in ways, but, like, it will ultimately end up being okay. Yeah, for me... I've I've gone back and forth on this a lot, and and what Luke said about his first to second viewing almost got me to the point to think, uh, maybe I don't know, maybe I'd recommend it because I'm on the I, I've been sitting on the fence on wow. it like, for for 24 hours. I think I'm gonna go back though to I just I, I'm really not feeling it, like not not 100. percent I I wouldn't say a hard recommend. Here's what I would recommend though. What I would recommend is at least getting a plot synopsis and then reading the Roger Ebert review of the movie because that review man it's emotional the movie is like a a three stars i know he gave it four four is the top for roger but but the movie in my book is three three stars out of five but the review was five out of five stars um that was that was a really great review it took me on an emotional journey in a way that the film did not just for uh trevor and anybody listening roger ebert's scale was a four-star scale so that was the top for him there you go but yeah i gave it a four out of five stars on my letterbox watching it a couple times here like it's not like an incredible like perfect movie but i think it's very funny and very humane when you look at it. Like, I don't think the movie was intended, like I said, to be this like major statement, but I think the characters reflect true things enough that I can see this growing on me for sure. The older I get. Excellent. And it's an interesting time capsule of uh, transportation it, it in a bygone era. <laughs> transportation, communication, cars, hairstyle, like, also, people being together on an elevator. How oh many like gosh, COVID freakout yes. moments did you guys have? <laughs> like when the old dude was leaning his head on him on the airplane and then just like coughed right in disgusting. his face. That was disgusting. I, that was absolutely going through my head when I watched that scene. I was like, wow. <laughs> COVID has definitely made yeah. me hyper aware of how disgusting many of the things we do day to day are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that... that 
I'll, I will say there are there are moments in the movie that hit different in 2021. For well, sure. not even COVID. I mean, for, it got me both times I watched it this last month. Um, you know me, Trev. I'm pretty resilient. Uh, I can handle a lot of things and uncomfortable mm-hmm. travel situations. But uh, just sleeping in a puddle of beer after you take a shower yeah. like that's. I, I think I would have slept terrible. on the floor at that point personally. <laughs> Trevor knows I would have slept on the, uh, on, the on the dresser. You would have started with like putting <laughs> yeah. the chairs together. Yeah, yep. that's where we would have started. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that way there wouldn't be any uh, those aren't pillows <laughs> awkward situations going on. Also funny. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh man. Well, gentlemen, fun time talking about this. Luke, we have a segment that we do regularly on the show, um, and we love to toss it to our guests whenever we have guests on the show. What's something substantive? I mean, we say substance shout outs. It doesn't have to be profound. It can just literally be something that you're enjoying recently, a TV show you watch. It could be a, honestly, it could be a cartoon <laughs> or something. Music, movies, a book you read, article you like, a, a consumable blog. I don't know. piece of culture. Literally anything of culture that has been relevant or for you recently. Well, as a man of culture, um, <laughs> I'll say this, probably the best thing uh, I've experienced in the last month or so was, was a, a book I read. It was a, l- a little obscure, so hopefully I don't lose anyone talking about this. But um, it, was a, it was a young adult novel uh, by an author named Martine Leavitt, and it was, uh, it was called Calvin. Um, am I right in assuming you guys haven't heard of this book? I have not. It's the great thing about substance shout Yeah. Um, so it was, um, it's this novel about this kid. His name is Calvin, and he is a diagnosed schizophrenic. Um, it's a really weird book. He was, the kid was born the same day that the last uh, Calvin and Hobbes strip ran. Okay. And so he's like, he's got this weird obsession with Calvin and Hobbes, and he's convinced that his fate is controlled by Bill Watterson the author of Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> so yeah, he's, he's been living with schizophrenia. He's got an actual imaginary friend who's a tiger named Hobbes that won't leave him alone. And he's trying to get rid of, um, he's 17 years old now, I should say. So this, this is a kid on the cusp of adulthood, ready to stop having this imaginary friend, but the imaginary friend won't go away. And so this, this kid lives in, um, Southern Ontario. Um, and of course, uh, Bill Watterson lives in Cleveland, which is right across the lake from right across Lake Erie from Southern Ontario. Um, So somehow this kid gets it in his head that what he needs to do is walk across the lake. It's the dead of winter. The lake is frozen over. He needs to walk across Lake Erie and convince Bill Watterson to draw one more comic strip okay that will show calvin as like this well-adjusted non-schizophrenic teenager and he's convinced that will solve all his problems um so that's kind of the premise of the book it's it's kind of this weird mix of like dreamy fairy tale and like gritty survival story as he walks across lake erie yeah and um he's with his his childhood friend whose name is Susie, of course um who has insisted on coming with him and the whole time he's not really sure if she's a real person or if she's just another imaginary friend, um, which makes it really, I don't know, kind of romantic and bittersweet and melancholy all at once. Um, it's definitely one of those, like as a novelist, I've 
you know, published one novel. Um, <laughs> it was one of those books that I, I read it and I was like, <laughs> dang, I wish I'd, I wish I'd written this cause this is really good stuff. So that's my recommend Calvin by Martine Leavitt. And listeners, according to Amazon, it's under 200 pages. Yeah, so it's, it's a quick read. <laughs> you know, it's a, um, it's a fun read. Awesome. Interesting. And tell us briefly. So obviously we're going to get to plugs here in a second. Tell us about your book. Was that a horror book? I heard you say on the show. Yeah, I've 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 published two books. Um, okay, one like that they have nothing at all to do with each other. I'm an unmarketable disaster. <laughs> so, <laughs> I published one novel. Uh, it was a psychological thriller. Um, the title, yeah, Ophelia Alive, Ophelia? Uh, a ghost story is the subtitle. Um, and that I published that with a. Um, just kind of a little mom and pop publisher in Cincinnati um, back in 2016. The publisher has since shut down, but I, I did just kind of put it up on Amazon as like a self-published book. So you can still read it. You can still, um, if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can read it for free. Yes, you can. And Indeed. I have one other book, uh, which was a uh, nonfiction book. It was called Murder Bears, Moonshine, and Mayhem, Strange Stories from the Bible to Leave You Amused, Bemused, and Hopefully Informed. Um, and that came out from HarperCollins Christian back in 2020. Very nice. Oh, boy. Uh, Luke, I don't know if you're aware here. Uh, Ophelia Alive, uh, if you get it on um, Kindle there, it is uh, 666 kilobytes. Oh, wow. Uh, kind of concerning. <laughs> nice. Nice, nice being work. there for your horror story. Did you, did you plan that for <laughs> that your was, ghost story? That was not planned. <laughs> I will say, though... Um, the other book, my quote unquote Christian book, uh, I was checking its Amazon stats once and it was it was like right at number six hundred and sixty six on the religious humor charts. So Wow. <laughs> what is um obviously the sub I like I really like mm -hmm. long subtitled books. Um can you give us the elevator pitch beyond for murder what the subtitles clearly saying um yeah it's um yes it's just a overview of all the weirdest parts of the bible arranged by topic uh with lots of poop jokes and um lots of quasi-academic <laughs> historical notes as well um it is put out by a christian publisher but written more with a general audience in mind so really anyone who wants to learn more about the bible and or laugh it's for you <laughs> Very nice. There are some uh, really funny things in the Bible, for sure. And very I, true. The you know murder bears. I'm I'm guessing you're uh, referring to the the scene where the prophets walking and uh, the kids are like making fun of his bald head or whatever. And he he summons just talking to kill with them. some people about that the other yeah, day. Correct. Actually, <laughs> what a scene! It's yeah, very striking. Kings, um, a Elisha curses some kids, and bears come out from the woods and maul them. Every 12-year-old boy's favorite Bible passage, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be careful who you joke on. And uh, I think we mentioned this uh, off the air. I don't know if it'll make the beginning of the show, but your podcast, Changed My Mind, is a really, really enjoyable well, thank show. You. Yeah. I, um, it, I do do a podcast, so if you're listening to this, you probably like podcasts. Maybe check mine out. It's called Changed My Mind with Luke T. Harrington. Um, there is another podcast out there that's just called Changed My Mind. Uh, because I didn't do my due diligence and making sure the name was unique, but 
you want the one with my name and my picture on the cover. Um, <laughs> and it's just, it's an interview podcast where I interview people who have changed their minds about big, important things. I like to say, um, and it just, it's, it's mostly about the process of changing your mind, you know? So we don't typically get deep into the weeds of like discussing nitty gritty stuff so much mm -hmm. as, um, I just kind of invite people to tell their story and why they changed their mind. Um, and we do everything from politics and religion to like really little stuff like pop culture and punctuation. Uh, we did an episode on the Oxford comma, for instance. Um, Ooh, dig it. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, how did, how did the switch go on that one? Um, he was, he went, he went from anti to pro. I like it. I've actually got an unreleased episode. It's, it's in the can. I haven't, haven't put it out yet. Uh, that's also about the Oxford it's comma, the other way? but the guests went the other direction from pro to anti. So that's a shame. Yeah. It's a shame, but I'll, <laughs> I'll listen to them both with rapt interest and actually Luke. So substantive cinema, we try to do once a month. Um, we're super yeah. grateful you came and joined us. We'd Doors open. We'd love to have you come back. I think the, because we, we talk a lot about, obviously, religion and culture, and we talk a good bit about, like, just politics and civil engage, civic engagement. I would love to hear just about your experiences and observations about how people change their mind and um, things of that nature. So the doors open yeah. if you're ever <laughs> have a lighter week sometime in the future and you'd be willing to come back. Yeah, for sure. I loved, especially hearing the episode where you were interviewed by your producer mm -hmm. um, and just the way that you can kind of step back and view it as like, what am, what am I, what is this saying? Like, it's almost, it, am I, am I over glorifying mm -hmm. changing your mind? Like, like, am I, you know, why do people do this? Why do people not do this? What, you know, how does this all happen? And then coming down to like this kind of man as a community mm -hmm. creature mm -hmm. In a way, like I, there was, there, you had some really awesome thoughts on that. That I was like, this, this is great stuff because it's, it's like you can go into it and be self-critical, um, in in a way that's just totally like honest to the situation and and view and stuff. So I I loved that. I was like, this is I really appreciate this that. Is Thank good, you. Good material. Yeah, it is very much a listen at your own risk sort of podcast. There's really nothing off limits. We talk about almost everything on the show. So be warned but <laughs> good where else can people find you we've talked a bit a lot about how do you prefer like obviously check out the podcast subscribe if uh, you're interested in that but where where do you spend your most time and where can people for sure find you um, most probably the best way is to tweet at me um it's just at luke t harrington that's h-a-r-r-i-n-g-t-o-n that t's important it is important yeah um <laughs> don't forget the t um so yeah, you can do that. Uh, you can go to my website, which is luketharrington.com. I need to update it because there's some old stuff there, but you can also find both of my books there. You can find a link to my Substack there um, and a link to my podcast. So excellent. Nice. Well, Luke, thanks for joining us um, for this substantive cinema conversation. We appreciate your time and um, we'll look forward to maybe having you on in the future. All right. Sounds good. All right, Phil. So planes, trains, and automobiles. We, uh, we thanks we for made sitting it. through it, Trev. I, I, I thought you might be a little reticent to it, but I thought I'd win you over a little bit more than I did. I think you we'll see I you next you year. Did maybe more also than I completely let on. Like it, 
it wasn't horrible. Like it, no, it, it certainly funny. wasn't one where I felt like I needed to be like, nah, let's not release this episode. Um, I thought which it listeners would, there are what yeah. three? There are three movies we've watched and we've never uh, recorded on. Yeah, are there three that I vetoed? One hilariously. Kevin, mm-hmm. that was one of his picks, one of the ones that you vetoed. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> if we get you on, you suggest it. <laughs> and then it would be even funnier if you guys just had to do it from memory. And it would be more satisfying if you had to watch it again. Either one of those would be a win. Oh, my man is a troll. My man is a troll, dear listener. He's like, I'd love to do Pan's Labyrinth or Taste of Cherry. And I was like, yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway. So you liked it more than you let on, perhaps? I, I, I enjoyed it. our conversation about it. Let's, let's put it that way. I, I enjoyed our conversation about it, and I think and I thought I would. Like it's You're not gonna watch it next year with Christina again necessarily. Oh no. I I'm fairly certain this is not Christina's cup of tea. And okay. it's it's not really wasn't really my favorite, so probably not. Probably not gonna start like a bi yearly Thanksgiving tradition with it. No, Paul Art Mall Cup too is a much more uh rewarding. <laughs> tradition with the McElroy's. But, but you know i appreciate i appreciate going on the journey i appreciate the listeners going on the journey with us and as they as they do especially as we we're rounding out the year here yeah round out the year it's it's been a uh i mean looking back on i guess we'll have an episode where we do this and look back on everything that's that's gone on but still a lot for for listeners to partner uh on us on in the future and uh, lots of exciting stuff coming up right felt yeah, it's been a great year. We're really proud of everything we've done solo and the guests we've been able to bring you guys. So we just want to thank you for riding with us and especially um, those of you guys who have joined as Anchor subscribers at the 5 or $10 a month level. The show is always going to be free. Uh, there may be more um, things in the future that we add, but we're always committed to bringing you uh, a high-quality free show here at The Substance. But like we said, if that's something you're interested and able in doing, um, we always appreciate folks who can do that. You can find that in the show notes link. Or if a monthly support on Anchor is not really your cup of tea, what you guys can do is send us individual tips. If you're just feeling the holiday Thanksgiving spirit um, where you get something at the end of the year, you're like, no. Never really signed up. I'll throw them a couple of bucks. You can do that on Cash App at Dollar Sign the Substance Pod, um, and, and you help us. You guys are the ones who gave us the website, uh, thesubstancepod.com, where you can go and interact with this episode. Maybe we can kind of rope uh, Luke into engaging in some of the comments if you guys have wanted to engage with any of the things he said or you checked out his podcast and liked it. Uh, let us know uh, in the comments on the website. We've got some plans for 2022, which is kind of crazy to say, like 2022 is on the horizon, Trev. How does that feel to think about? Dude, I feel like we're maybe just starting to emerge from the time soup that has been the 2020 and like COVID time. Pandemic. Like yeah. 2021 really does feel like the B side of 2020. <laughs> like it really feels Fact. like 2020 part two. Yeah, somehow it's like we entered some wormhole in March of 2020, and we've kind of like started to emerge from here. I wonder if this is what like Noah felt like the first couple of days out the ark was like, <laughs> uh, the heck happened? What time is it? Like, what day is it? And then Ooh. now we got daylight savings time. My boys are very confused. Oh, my goodness. As Philip mentioned, uh, website is substancepod.com 
substancepod.com substancepod.com in a similar vein you can send us an email at the substancepod at gmail.com and if you really just want to do the old telephonic style of communication <laughs> like I'm they sorry. do in planes trains and automobiles if that's sure. got you transported back to a day when people had home phones um this is not a home phone is very much voice over IP line. It's an internet phone, actually. It's very futuristic. And it does have 10 digits. And they are 913-703-3883. Boom. Give us a call. Let us know your thoughts. Fun having you here with myself, one of your co-hosts, Trevor Aiken, and my friend, Philip Marinello. It's just us today. Just us. Vince is off. As you oh, have yeah, heard Vince. or not, we heard. didn't even like. I hope you're enjoying your uh, your time off. Yeah, man, um, you deserve it for real. Killed it on the website. Um, has been bringing and the heat in the comments. Whenever you can get away before you have kids, do it. Do that. Free advice for you, our listeners, and maybe you'll hear some more next week on the substance. Peace. Uh, award-winning uh, oh god golly i'm gonna <laughs> reset uh, luke t harrington in a similar vein you can find us uh to send an email blah 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 Let's try again in a similar vein is very much voice over ip line it's an internet phone actually it's very futuristic but it does have nine digits and then they are nine one three seven zero three ten digits and it does have ten digits